Oh my god, I'm chills. What happened? Oh my god. Oh, I just can't. What? Hello. Hey, y'all. Uh, this is Rachel. That's Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime, love a plot twist, hate the people responsible. We are back. Love a shocking turn of uh, events. Sure. Love. I'm just kidding. Just going to go hate old timey murders. Oh, yeah. If you're new here. Yeah. And that's pretty much the. That's the intro. Um, that's the intro. That's the vibe here at People Are the Worst. We don't know if we're supposed to say that we're back because we're yeah. recording these in January to be released in February. And the last one we recorded, we we're like, wait, will that be the first one we release? Or will this one be? Or will our next one be? We don't know what order we're going to do. So just right. bear with us. Bear with us. So with the one we already recorded, we did our Patreon shout outs. They might go out of order. So this time I have a Patreon shout out. What up, Teresa? Thank you. Hey, Teresa. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. You. You're going to get a monthly bonus up. Uh, you have five already in your in your docket, so go for it. Yeah, that's the only one, only new one that we have to shout. We okay. we did a whole. Well, list. hey Teresa, hey girl. All right. Well, do we have anything else at the top? I think that's it. Uh, we're kind of gonna jump right into this one, I think, because okay, this is Rachel. I'm telling the story today. It's a very well known case in France. Mm. This might be the hardest I had to research. That's why it's taken me forever. Well, if they're well known and there's a lot of sources, it takes so much longer. Well, a ton of sources, a ton of, yeah, articles, YouTubes, everything on it, but also it's all within one family and the timeline of events, it's the weirdest. It's just, it's awful. I know you told me the name. I don't think I know it. It's the Villamon family. Villamon family. Hmm. There's okay, yeah. It's just taken me forever, y'all, to do this, <laughs> and I'm like nervous. Okay, we're gonna jump into it. I really, I don't I actually don't think you know it. I'm so excited. It's very, and I know that name, and I know that it was like on our list of things that back it. Yeah, I can't place it. So why don't you just tell me what I need to know? Okay, I'm gonna tell you all about it. Please do. Sources are a Netflix documentary, but I'll tell you the name of it at the end. LA Times, Irish Times, True Crime Recaps on YouTube, The Guardian, and The Times, which is a UK thing that I had to subscribe to and then cancel after my free subscription. <laughs> As you do. As you do. Free trial, not subscription. Whatever. All right. We're in La Pange, France, which is a tiny, poor little village, like 250 miles from Paris. The population in 2015 was 900. Oh, wow. And, Small ass town. And we're in 1980. Small ass town. So Jean-Marie and Christine Villamon got married in 1979. And in 1980, they had their son, Gregory. Jean-Marie worked at a car parts factory and had recently been promoted to factory foreman. He was doing pretty well. So they bought a new, really nice house just outside of La Pange. It's like on the rolling hills where one article said they were literally looking down on their neighbors. It, uh. it is a nice, like, pretty country house. Mm -hmm. Things are great for them, but some of Jean-Marie's extended family, who mostly lived around the area, were openly unhappy about the promotion. They said it went to his head. Essentially, they were just very jealous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
In September 1981, they started getting threatening phone calls and letters by someone who became known as the Raven or Crow to investigators and media. Their nickname is obviously in French, which I'm not even going to attempt. But Please do. <laughs> Please, come on. Give the people what they want. No, I actually can't. I would attempt it if I put it in here. I was like, nope. Disregarded it immediately. Depending on the source, they call him the Crow or Raven. I'm going with Raven. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing. In the letters and phone calls, the Raven said he's going to seek vengeance on Jean-Marie, who he refers to as the little boss. That's Gregory's dad, correct? Yeah. yeah. The Raven was not only harassing Jean-Marie and Christine, but almost the entire extended family. Jean-Marie's cousins, aunts, uncles, everyone got phone calls. His parents, Monique and Albert, seemed to especially get a lot of calls, most of which seemed to go after Monique, calling her a whore. Whoa. Like his mom. The voice is very raspy and muffled. They couldn't even tell if it was a man or woman most of the time. He'd make threats and say things like, I hate you so much. The day you die, I'll spit on your grave. Like he just hated them, especially Jean-Marie. Mm-hmm. The Villamonts told police about the calls and eventually started recording them. So you can listen to them online. But if you're like me, they mean nothing to you because they're in French. In addition to threatening to hurt or even kill Jean-Marie, the Raven knew some of the family's deepest, darkest secrets. Like, they knew that they had shunned a relative who was born out of wedlock, a grandfather who killed killed himself, specifically hung himself, Mm. and details of various family fights, all of which nobody would have known unless they were in the family. Uh. This is where the horror conversation came in from the Raven. When he would call Jean-Marie's parents, Monique and Albert, again, he often called Monique a whore, apparently she met Albert already pregnant with another man's baby. And so I think she had the baby. They shunned him is the story. But it's also really sad because apparently that, if this is awful, that baby was a result of incest because <gasps> her dad raped her. Oh, yikes. So this guy's a monster. And she's like, I'm not a whore. Yeah, I'm the victim. Fuck off. So anyway, obviously, it's a big family secret. No one would know that unless they were in the family. So they're like, okay, at least we have one clue. Yeah. The Raven also often brought up how Jean-Marie thought he was so much better than everyone after his big promotion. So the only thing everyone could come up with was that it's definitely someone in the family who resented the new success. Mm-hmm. Historically, they were very like poor family, very working class. So when they all of a sudden got successful, yeah, people were pissed. <laughs> Just the oddest thing. I know. <laughs> what, we can't be happy for someone? Golly. A rising, Especially family. A rising tide lifts all boats, but not for them. <laughs> it was like, fuck off. Sometimes the Raven called up to 27 times a day. Oh, my God. Maybe this guy got a job. He'd be successful, too. <laughs> if he spent, oh, my God, it's such a good point. If he spent oh, half way. the time he did being the Raven, right. he'd be CEO of that factory. Forget Foreman. Right. Jesus. God. Jean-Marie and Christine usually handled the phone calls flippantly so he didn't, so they didn't show their fear or intimidation. Like, God, that which pissed him off. Really pissed him off. So this is... Like, the Raven called him at work one day and threatened to damage his nice new house. And Jean-Marie was like, oh, okay, no problem. Burn it down if you want. I'll rebuild it. 
Like just. Oh, yeah. So he was like, fine, then I'll hurt Christine. You know, she's lucky she didn't leave the house the other day. I had a trap for her. I was going to take her and rape her. And Jean Marie's like, oh, okay, sweet. Thank God she didn't leave the house. Like, they doesn't give a uh, shit. Yeah. And his, his parents are kind of the same way. They do, like, translate on that documentary, especially Monique's conversation with them. And they're like, like, they call him a bastard. They don't, they're like, fuck off. Yeah. Okay, Raven. Okay, little birdie. <laughs> you know, boop, 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 boop. Fly away. God, just like really piss him off. Yeah. So the the Raven took it one step further on this conversation with Jean-Marie at his work and told him that he sees little Gregory playing outside by himself a lot and he better be careful because one day he's going to go out there and he's he'll be dead. <gasps> and Jean-Marie. How old is Gregory at this point? He's at this point. Well, so at this point, he's between one and four. He's a toddler. So Jean-Marie finally lost it. Yeah, and so, threaten my baby. Yeah, if you touch mm-hmm. my son, I'll kill you. And he he's like screaming at him. So the raven knows he hit a nerve with this one, and he loves it. Oh, shit. This went on for four years. Oh, my God. All in all, they received 2,000 letters. I don't know how many phone calls are estimated, but four years and having days with almost 30 calls. I mean, it's mm-hmm. thousands. Yeah. Gregory even started be- to become aware of the raven. He knew that someone called a lot and his parents didn't know who it was. And it got to the point where every single time the phone rang, Gregory would ask, is that Mr. Man again? <gasps> oh, I know. Christine and Jean-Marie like reassured him, but it was really hard to hide their fear. In March 1983, they got a letter saying, Villamon family, I will murder you. If you don't comply, I'll make good on the threat I made to the little boss about his little family. It's your choice, life or death. Comply with comply what? Comply with what? right that's what i'm saying what okay i was like did i miss something what's what does he he's want he's not asking them to do anything he i'm like what do you comply with what i'm sure they would have idiot twin moment anyone anyone with a brain moment right well sure but so he's annoying i'm like what do you go ahead please make your demands you've been doing this for four years golly so that was March 1983. In May 1983, they get another letter essentially saying, Dear Idiots. It literally says that. Dear Idiots, oh my God. this is my last letter. You won't hear from me again, but you'll always wonder who I was. You'll never find out. Bye. Pretty much. And then he goes silent. No calls, no letters for a year and a half. Oh, my They're God. Like, Did they have any way of like responding to him like on the phone? Would he be at- would they be like, comply with what? What are your demands? And would he say anything? Nothing. On the phone, they would have conversations, like back and forth. Sometimes he would hang up, sometimes not. But that murder, you better comply or I'll kill you. That was a letter. So no, they didn't respond. Yeah. There was no way to respond to a letter. Yeah. I would just assume that he would, for four years, I'm sure he said that more than once. Yeah. Better comply. So I was just wondering. Oh, and then like call and they'd be like, hey, yeah. got your letter. Quick, quick cue. Um, what the hell are you talking about? Comply with what? Yeah. You're an idiot. Yeah. Don't call us idiots. Yeah. You're the idiot. Yeah, you're the idiot. Yeah. Raven. Idiot face. Birdie. How about you cut it out? fly into a window. <laughs> stupid. Such a stupid name. Anyway, so year and a half. He says, I'm not writing anymore. I'm done with this. And it's true. And they're like, finally. They're like, we won. Yay. Great. So Jean-Marie and Christine are ants. They're finally feeling safe again. Like their lives go back to normal. They don't like freak out every time the phone rings. 
On October 16th, 1984, Christine is inside ironing and lets four-year-old Gregory go outside to play. It's around 5 p.m. and she goes to check on him and he's gone. Oh, no. She calls police and they get there immediately. They're searching all around the property. The property's huge. She calls pretty much everyone she knows and it sounds like the entire town is looking for him. The thought of it, because it's such a tiny town, reminded me, actually, and I wrote this, which is, I don't know why, but we were in Tybee Island two years ago, like beach trip, family, first first time with the kids, um, with some of our friends, and a little boy, I guess, walked away on the beach. When I tell you, the, the crowded ass beaches of Georgia, like hundreds of people, the entire beach within seconds were screaming this little boy's name. Oh, it was I was literally I was like helping. Obviously, everyone was but it like was making me cry. Like people can really pleasantly surprise you. Everyone knew what he was wearing, what his swimsuit looked like, screaming oh. for him. And he was found within like 30 seconds. He just like got lost. Good. I bet those parents were so appreciative. Oh, my God. She was frantic. It was like it was heartbreaking. Oh. People can really come together. Yeah. Especially for really a kid. Can. Oh, absolutely. It was really sweet. But that's what it reminded me of. The, the same thing. Whole town looking for Greg, little baby Gregory. Mm-hmm. At 5.30 p.m., Gregory's uncle, John Marie's brother, Michelle. Sorry. I know. These are all French names and American accent butcher them. I can't go into a French accent. A lot of the sources call him Michael, and that drove me crazy, too. I'm like, it's not Michael. It's Michelle. Okay. He's French. Come on. Um, obviously. Come on. <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks it's Michael. I mean, then why are these people saying it? Okay. So Gregory's uncle, it's 5.30 p.m. Michelle got a call from the Raven. He said, I've kidnapped the boy. I've strangled him. I've thrown him in the Val- <gasps> I've, I've thrown him in the Valone River. I have my revenge. Pretty much every single first responder of, in the small town went to the Valone River, and at 9 p.m. that night, they found <gasps> Gregory. Oh, my God. I know. His hands and feet were bound. His knit hat covered his entire face. Oh. They determined he died by drowning. Oh. It's the events of the story that are insane. I won't get much more into that. About the killing of? A child. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The day after Gregory's murder, the Raven sent a letter to Jean-Marie that said, quote, I hope you die of grief, boss. Your money will not bring back your son. This is my revenge, you bastard. Dick. Asshole. Yeah. The murder spread throughout France, got a ton of media attention, especially as people found out that they'd been harassed for four years. Yeah. And like sneaky fucker. He just went silent for a year and a half while they just planned this. Yeah. When they least expected it, he's going to strike again. Oh, so sad. So in France, murder investigations are led by the examining magistrate and judge who at this time was 32 year old newbie. Jean-Michel Lambert. I'm going to call him Lambert. Yeah. We've got a Jean-Marie. We've got a Michelle. Now we have a Jean- Jean-Michel. No, we're not doing that. Yeah. His name's Lambert. Please don't. Yeah. Okay. So the investigator's name is Lambert. He's 32 years old. This was his first investigation with this much media attention. He made critical mistakes throughout, which the press was all over. I bet it's Lambia. <laughs> sure. It's, I bet it is. Well, I'm going Lambert. Okay. So he's he's really botching it from the beginning. For instance, he didn't secure the crime scene or request a full auto- autopsy. When you see pictures, you can see them, which is, I would not Google this, but you can see them pulling Gregory out of the river. 
the entire town is just at the shore. They're all, it's not taped off. Everyone is watching. It's the most, yeah, he didn't. But it's also the 80s. Yeah. And a town of a hundred people, I'm sure at this point. Yeah, it was probably hard to avoid, but you could, you know, request that people maybe get back and like, don't touch anything. Yeah. They're just all watching. So. Oh God. Yeah. What about footprints? Everything. Everyone get out of here. Right. He, so he didn't um, secure the crime scene. He did not request a full autopsy. There's a lot more like big mistakes, but I'm going to get into those as the timeline goes on. But it just goes to show even at the beginning, like not requesting a full autopsy on a child. I can't believe that's not required. If a child is murdered, it is. I wonder if it's just the inexperience of this area, because I would think the coroner, too, would be like, no, I think we actually really need to do one. Right. I'll just do it. (laughs) You know? Exactly. That is just the strangest thing. But you said it was determined he drowned. They just assume that? Yeah. Oh, brother. I'll get to why that might not be true. Y'all, I've got, I got stuff to get to, you know? I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I do. But I'm antsy. I know. I'm an eager. I know. I'm sorry. Investigators did find that the letter the Villamons got the next day was sent from their same village at the time Gregory would have been kidnapped. And after listening to the recorded phone calls, they were certain that sometimes it was a man, sometimes it was a woman. So they were like, oh. there's got to be at least two people working together. How could they tell that the letter was dropped around the time? The stamp. Oh, I thought he, I thought it was unmarked. I thought he would literally go put them in the mailbox. I know, it went through the post office. Oh, great. I know. Someone turned in an insulin syringe that they found at the shore of the river where police are certain Gregory was put into the Valone. And Gregory was not diabetic? So No. So detectives thought that maybe the killer injected him with an insulin to knock him out or kill him all together before throwing him in, which would explain this part of, of the crime scene that I didn't tell you. that. But it's it kind of makes it better. It would explain the very serene look on Gregory's face. Like they said, the coroner noted that there was no struggle. There was the, the the raven that told the uncle that he strangled him. Like no, there it did not look like anything like that gruesome. It it really he really thought he must have been injected with something to to make him not pass out because his face was very serene, oh, which is, that is really sad. That is really sad, but yeah, also comforting. I would rather him be asleep. Yeah. While, so it's not like a They're, true struggle drowning situation. They're very confident it was. And what's weird is apparently an insulin wouldn't have shown up on the autopsy anyway, which is so weird. Really? I don't know if that's a 1984 problem or I don't, I mean, it has to be. But yeah, I guess it doesn't matter because Lambert told them to throw out the syringe. Again, while you're doing a child's murder, keep everything. Why not? It's a Ziploc bag. Right. It doesn't take up much room. Just keep everything in that evidence locker. Right. So stupid. But anyway, it was a, it would have been evidence because that was a conclusion that the coroner hypothesized when he saw Gregory and then someone found a syringe and they're like, oh, wait, maybe that's true. That could be true. And detectives like ter- went to Lambert and he said, throw it out. Okay. Well, you're starting to look suspicious because you can't be this idiotic. I know. So after that, two witnesses came forward with almost identical descriptions of a suspicious man with dark hair, a mustache, and sideburns in town that day, which is just telling of a tiny town. They're like, there's a man that we didn't recognize. (laughs) So police did a sketch, and it looks 
exactly like Jean-Marie's cousin, Bernard LaRoche. I imagine in the 80s, it looks like every man, but... That's kind of what I said. mustache. But... Yeah. It, of a town of so yeah. small. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, it looks exactly like him. Mm-hmm. Bernard's handwriting also very closely resembled some of the letters that the Villamons received. Handwriting analysis plays a big part in this story. Get ready. Mm-hmm. Buckle up. Okay. Bernard had an alibi for most of the day of Gregory's murder, except for about 45 minutes around that time, which is sketch. Mm-hmm. He also lived next door to and was best friends with Michelle, Gregory's uncle, and John Marie's brother who received the phone call saying where Gregory was, which turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. If those weren't enough red flags, a reporter was interviewing him about the murder and years of harassment. And he said, and the reporter said he was oddly cavalier about the topic of a dead child, especially one he was related to. Right. When reporters pushed on, he started getting really fired up about how the Villamons treated him like an outsider and pretty much said they deserve what they got because they were assholes. He's, as he's saying this, he's like slamming his fist on the table. Like he's really fired up. Oh, wow. The reporter's like, okay, Calm down. BRB, and like slowly. You seem really hot-headed about your poor little four-year-old dead cousin. I picture the Homer Simpson meme where they back up, where he backs up like into the bushes. I don't know it. <laughs> do. No. It's, send it to me. Sounds great. I'll send it. But it's, if I were the reporter, that's what I'd be doing. Because I'm like, clearly <laughs> you're a psycho. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Yeah. I got a jet. You've been great, though. You've been great, but you're getting a little too heated about a child's death and how they deserved it. Yeah. Did did, did the little boy deserve it? No. Get out of here. Get out of here. I'm going to talk to the detectives. It has nothing to do with this. Yeah, don't worry. Don't follow me. Oh, my God. (sighs) So the detectives also said he seemed completely oblivious to the investigation, like didn't seem to have the urgency to talk to them to figure out who the killer was. Like he just did not care. Bernard and Jean-Marie were actually very, very close growing up, but after Jean-Marie got married and started becoming successful, Bernard became very resentful. On top of that, he <laughs> hated Christine, who Jean-Marie's wife and Gregory's mom hated People him. in this family cannot be happy for one no. another. They just It's not a thing. No, no. Immediately to jealous and yeah, he, resentful. He, Bernard was like the black sheep. Like he was... Because he's an asshole. He's an asshole. <laughs> you can't be happy for people. He was always, like, trailing behind Jean-Marie is what it sounds like. And, like, then they both had babies at the same time. And, like, everyone loved Gregory. And his Bernard's baby had, like, a severe learning disability, which is Aww. sad. I mean, it's it's he was just very jealous. Like, Bernard or Jean-Marie was ahead in life, and he was just resentful. So he also yeah. hated Christine, said she was arrogant. The two were estranged, for sure. They were close growing up, but no, no mo. Yeah. The investigators were questioning all of the family's whereabouts that day because, again, the raven is in the family. Yeah. But they were becoming very interested in Bernard. They talked to Bernard's 15-year-old sister-in-law, Muriel Bowles. So Bernard's married to her older sister. Okay. They all live together. They, so they talked to her, Muriel, and she said on October 16th, she came home from school around 530 and Bernard was already home. That's very confusing because Bernard told them the opposite, saying he got home at 530 and Muriel was home. So they're like, hmm, okay, cool. Muriel, how'd you get home that day? And she said she took the bus. But after looking into her story more, they found out that the bus driver she described wasn't working that day. And two of her friends came forward and said she wasn't on the bus. She got into a car after school. 
Oh, brother. So investigators go back to Muriel and they're like, we know you're lying. Just tell us what's up. And she finally breaks down saying she was picked up from school by Bernard and Bernard's son, Sebastian, who's little. He's just in the car. He has nothing to do with this. She said they drove to a nearby town that she wasn't familiar with. Bernard got out of the car, went into a house with a red roof and came back with a little boy. <gasps> they drove to another town. Bernard stopped again, got out with the little boy, then got back in the car without him. And then and then they drove home. Oh, my God. On November 5th, 1984, Bernard is arrested for Gregory's murder. Mm-hmm. Shortly after his arrest, Muriel went on national TV to publicly retract her story. She said police intimidated her and were yelling at her to agree with the narrative that they made up or else she was going to be sent to a reformatory. Mm. <laughs> Which, come on. She said Bernard is completely innocent. This is another mistake made by investigator Lambert. After Muriel gave her statement to police saying Bernard did it, or not did it, but like something sketchy. That was a sketchy chain of events. Right. Lambert had an impromptu press conference and revealed what she said. Oh, my God. So everyone in the family, or everyone, including the family, knew that she implicated him. Then Lambert allowed her to go home where Bernard lives. Oh, my God. She was allowed to go home with the rule that she wasn't allowed to talk about this. What? (gasps) How are you going to enforce that? Right. So while some people do believe that police intimidated her and and she did make it up because she was intimidated. Yeah. Most think she went home, got the shit beat out of her by her entire family until she agreed to recant it. And this especially became apparent when one of her cousins, Patrick, confirmed that that is what happened. Literally, they beat... They abused her until she was like, okay, I'll take it back. <gasps> How old's Sebastian? We don't know. Not talking age. Because he was in the car too, right? Yeah. The picture I saw of Bernard, Sebastian, his wife, probably Gregory's age. They're, they seem close in age. Uh, so okay. not, but he's. As the, a learning disability. The articles I read were all from 1993 and they actually used the R word. Oh, God. Um. But Muriel stuck by Bernard, saying he's innocent and the family had no influence on her recanting it. Sure. Yeah, bullshit. There's anything I know from this family so far. I know. Even after she took it back, Bernard stayed in jail, but the court threw out the handwriting analysis that said he wrote that letter or some of the letters. And without it, they didn't have enough evidence to hold him. So he was released on February 4th, 1985. Jean-Marie was completely convinced that Bernard was responsible for this, and he was furious that he was allowed to walk free after a couple months in jail. Yeah. On March 29th, 1985, after Jean-Marie visited little Gregory's grave, he made good on his promise to the raven that he'd kill him if he touched his son. Oh, my God. Yes. Jean-Marie went over to Bernard's house and shot (gasps) him dead in the front yard in front of his wife and father-in-law. Oh, my God. Talk about a vengeance. Uh, yeah. On his tombstone, his family wrote, Here rests Bernard LaRoche, innocent vit- victim of blind hatred. Eventually, Jean-Marie was arrested and given five years in prison, but he was given credit for time served while he was awaiting trial, so he en- ended up only serving like two and a half years for murder. Oh, my God. I think the court was like, I mean, yeah. he thinks he, they he, the dude killed his kid. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. So... He, he got very bare minimum. Wow. Four months after Jean-Marie shot Bernard, investigators had a new suspect. Oh, shit. It's, if this isn't Bernard, 
Well, God, okay. He's dead and gone. I know. Christine Villamon, <gasps> Gregory's mom. Uh, Why? Apparent, well, I'm going to tell you right this moment. Oh, sure, sure. What if I were like, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so that's the story. Apparently, early in the investigation, the judge was receiving anonymous letters telling him to look into Christine. I don't know exactly what they said, but every single article described them as threatening. So obviously it's not real evidence against her, but there are other reasons. For example, four separate women who used to be co-workers of Christine, so they knew her, said they saw her at the post office right before the murder. Four out of five handwriting experts said the letter they got the day after Gregory's murder was Christine's handwriting. The fifth one, the fifth expert was not convinced. Christine said she was listening to the radio when Gregory was kidnapped, but couldn't remember what was said on the program she was listening to, which I don't think is weird at all. Me neither. It's like background noise. I'm like, that can't be any sort of valid evidence. Well, no, it's obviously not evidence, but they were like, how sketchy. I'm like, I couldn't tell you what I was listening to when I'm in a dead stare on it. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Your mind wanders. She was a four-year-old, for God's sake. (laughs) They found rope in the Villamon's attic that matched, very, very closely matched the rope that was on Gregory. But there's speculation that the police planted it there just to have a reason to arrest her because they were getting a lot of pressure from the public of like, solve this. Really? Uh, the people didn't weren't like, all right, it was Bernard and he's dead now, so case solved. No, people weren't oh, satisfied wow. with that. Oh, God. Okay. So this is enough to arrest her. The rope? All, all of those together. The four witnesses saying she was at the post office is weird. Yeah. That's, that's the only really weird thing to me. The hand- back then, even the oh, and handwriting the analysis. Yeah. But did she do her A's funky or something? Like, I'd love to see it. Uh, Google it. I'll post, I'll post some, some of the letters. They're different. Sometimes they're like big block letters. Sometimes they're not. Uh, yeah. So this was enough. And in July 1985, now pregnant with twins, Christine oh, Villamon is arrested. Oh, God. She was outraged. And Jean-Marie's same. She's like, they're like, no way. She went on an 11-day hunger strike in protest. With twins? She's pregnant. Yet again, there wasn't sufficient evidence to hold her anyway, so she was released, but she collapsed due to the hunger strike and ended up miscarrying one of the twins. No. Which is so sad. I'm also like, and I can only imagine if you're innocent and you're being accused of killing your kid and you've been through like all this. But But putting your other two kids in danger. uh, Severe danger. Like, I was like, oh, there is something going on. I mean, come on. You can't do a hunger strike. You're pregnant with twins. So she did. She lost one of her babies. Oh, God. She was officially cleared in February 1993, eight years later. But there's a ton of debate around town on if she's actually innocent and that her reputation is pretty much ruined forever. She wrote, was there a way in nineteen in the eighties to like absolutely match the rope and the rope or something? I need like hard evidence because even at the post office, I'm like, I know it's all very circumstantial. Seems, yeah, I know. No, they they. It just says that looks similar. Yeah, I, I just need a little more. You'll get more. Hold on. Thank you. Except you won't. You'll see. Mm. <laughs> How satisfying. I know. Very. She wrote a book called Let Me Tell You, Declaring Her Innocence, 
but a court later ordered her to give all the proceeds to Bernard's children. What? Are you kidding? She's like, he killed my son. Like, there's no good firm evidence that he did. There's very firm evidence that her husband killed him. But I'm like, you take it up with him. You take that up with John Ray. I'm not giving you this. Yeah. No, they're married still. So I guess that's bizarre to me. That infuriates me. So right after Christine was cleared, Lambert, the first prosecutor, who was, by the way, removed from the case in 1987. Sure. Why? He wrote a book called The Little Judge, where he says he is convinced she's guilty. Uh, He doesn't mean much. I mean, he's not that credible. I know. He's a really botched up the investigation. Yeah, for real. After Lambert was removed, Judge Marie Simon took over the case, and he also started getting anonymous threatening letters implicating Christine and pushing him to continue looking at her. But he was like, she's cleared. We're good. Eventually, like he took over in 1987. I think he um, the investigation goes on, but uh, they don't look into her anymore. After 1993? Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Throughout the years, the investigation has been open and closed several times, especially as advanced technology has become available. In 2001, they did a DNA test on a stamp from one of the letters, but it was inconclusive. Damn. In 2004, Jean-Marie and Christine were were awarded... 35,000 euros for personal damages due to shortcomings and failures of the investigations. Thanks to Lambert. That was around $42,000 USD before you ask. In 2008, they opened it again at Christine and Jean-Marie's request and looked at the DNA bindings found around Gregory and more of the stamps from the letters. Because remember, they have 2,000 of them. Yeah. Both inconclusive. (sighs) In April 2013, they tested the DNA on Gregory's clothing, which they knew was unlikely to have anything since he was underwater. But they were like, we have to do everything we can. And we have this Mm -hmm. technology. Inconclusive. Okay. With modern handwriting technology and linguistics and analysis, they confirmed with certainty that the Raven was definitely two different people, a man and a woman. Remember in 1984, it was just like... They were certain, confident, but now yeah. it's 100% confirmed. So that's a small development, but nothing substantial. It's been decades. All the DNA is inconclusive. Very frustrating. In June 2017, they announced, again, they're reopening the case. A month later in July, Judge Lambert took his own life. <gasps> Oh, he left a note. Sorry for insulting you. Well, he left a note saying the pressure he faced with the new investigation was unbearable. Oh my God! He really didn't want more scrutiny of how much he botched it, so he he was like, "I can't do this anymore." Isn't that sad? That's really. He's noted as a victim of this whole case too. Yeah. Oh, that's upsetting. The reason they reopened it this time is because there was a new software called Anacrum that could flag inconsistencies with someone's statement. So police submitted all the recordings from over 100 witnesses they interviewed back in the 80s, which was mostly the Villamont's extended family, pretty much. They found several inconsistencies with one couple in particular. (gasps) You have not met them yet. What? Marcel and Jacqueline Jacob. This is Jean-Marie's aunt and uncle, so Gregory's great aunt and uncle. They're in their 70s at this point, and Anna Krim found a lot of inconsistencies in their original statements. Plus, their alibis for that day were unconfirmed and unsubstantiated. Uh, 
another botch in the investigation. They also found an inconsistency with Muriel's statement and determined that she knew more than she was admitting, obviously. Plus, a witness had recently come forward saying they definitely saw her in the car with Bernard that day. I don't know why this witness waited, but they did. Well, she said that. I know she recanted it, but... Right, but... We all pretty much knew that was true. I know. Um, Muriel continued denying it and still maintained that she made the story up, blah, 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 intimidated by police. Most do not believe that. Marcel, Mm -hmm. Jacqueline, and Muriel are all arrested. (sighs) This is... June 2000, or at this point, July 2017. But for the third time, because there wasn't enough evidence, they were released. God. They also found out that the person behind the threatening letters to the judges saying, look into Christine, was Monique Villemon, Jean-Marie's mom. What? One source said the DNA on the stamp actually did match hers. No other source said that. And with so much inconclusive DNA, I think more source of w- sources would have said that. But it was her sending the letters. Why they, did she think that? They qu- like, why is everyone so certain on... The theory is because Marcel and Jacqueline are now new suspects, the theory is Marcel is her brother. Mm. She probably knew they were involved the whole time and to just steer the investigation away from them. She but just why wanted her daughter in law. Why don't she stick with the narrative that Bernard did it and it's over? It's oh, just so weird. Jean Marie and Bernard are really the only ones that were on outs. People like loved they I think they were a united front, that family. I think a lot of people knew who did it and they were gonna protect them to the end. And if some girl that Jean Marie met that most of them didn't like married into the family, they're like, Oh, we'll just uh, throw her under the bus. Yeah. So they, they questioned her in 2017, and she denied it, which throwing a wrench in the, in the investigation is illegal. I'm sure she could have gotten in trouble, but all in all, like, she wrote letters to the judge. I don't think it's – she wasn't going to go to jail, but she was like, no, that wasn't me. Yeah, and, it, and it's your opinion. You can say, yeah, I think she did it, What? I know, but if but you're covering so, up, if you're covering up, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but uh, unless they can prove that. I just think it's so weird that they – if you want to – have Marcel and Jack Jacqueline's mm-hmm. back. Like it could have just died with Bernard if you just like why go through a whole other hoopla. If anything, this this family has proven not to be loyal. They, I mean, I guess they liked Bernard that much. I mean, like we we don't want him to die with this reputation. Yeah, which but, which is fair, but I don't see it from this family. Well, <laughs> and the investigation didn't die with Bernard. They were like they didn't have enough to hold him, so investigators didn't think yeah, obviously that uh, yeah, he did it. That's so. True. Um, they were carrying on, questioning everyone. So she was questioned in 2017 if she did that. She kept saying no. In April 2020, she died of COVID. Oh. So she, she went to the grave with that one, but I, most are pretty sure she was doing that. Mm-hmm. In 2018, Muriel published a book called Breaking the Silence. E- everyone be making money off this. It's really... She... Maintains in the book that Bernard was innocent and says Patrick, the cousin who said that she was beaten into changing her statement, was a liar. So Patrick sued her for defamation and won. Oh, okay. I mean, and I don't know what he got for winning, but if 34 years later he's sticking to a story and being like, no, I'll go as far as suing you to protect my reputation, 
I just believe him. I'm sorry. I just believe uh, me him. Me too. What would he have to gain by saying that back then? Yeah. It, it, obviously, there's an ass beating that could happen. So he really took a risk. Yeah. The person responsible for Gregory's murder is still unknown. What? Although Jean-Marie and Christine are still very confident it was Bernard. They're all in on that. Well, I think they've convinced themselves of that. A lot of people think that. Yeah. His accomplice is debated, but most people do think it's either Muriel or Marcel and Jacqueline or all of them. Muriel is especially sketchy when it became known that Muriel's mom had diabetes. And then uh. and the nurse who treated her told detectives that she showed Muriel how to administer insulin, but she couldn't remember if it was before or after Gregory's death. But she definitely had access to it. I was going to ask of the three who had access to insulin. Muriel. A lot of she people. She was 15 at the time. My God. I know, but yeah, that's, I know. That's insane. So young. That's insane. What's in it for her? Right. She's not even blood related. Yeah. She did, didn't even know who the little boy, in her first statement, she wouldn't have even known Gregory. They'd never met. Oh, yeah. She said little boy. Yeah. It's like she didn't know this little boy. A lot of people also question Jean-Marie's brother, Michelle, and his wife, Jeanette. Michelle's the one who got the call saying where Gregory was. Again, he was neighbors and best friends with Bernard. And apparently he was also very nervous during questioning, even years later. Like even Judge Simon, who took over questioning him, he was very nervous. And they're like, chill. All in all, I think a lot of people in the family knew who was responsible and they were all covering up for that person. They were just like united front. Gregory's grave was attracting so much attention with tourists and media who even years later were just fascinated by this case that Jean-Marie and Christine had him exhumed so they could cremate him. <gasps> like, let him rest oh, in peace. Yeah. This is like the biggest unsolved case in, in France. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, in France. But the family knows. Why do you have this murderer's back and not your own little nephew, grandson, child? Like, come on. I think... See, I hate to be an armchair expert. I think that every single person that family did resent the Villamons for becoming successful. Every single one. Parents, everyone. So they were like, if he's going to break the family with this affluent lifestyle and he's going to forget about all of us, then we don't care about any of them, even little poor Gregory. I don't know. So they're like, we're going to protect blood. Or like, I mean, Gregory's blood, but I don't know. Did I? Did his friends or wit other witnesses back up this, he's an asshole now? Because I just feel like when you've been poor most of your life and you've worked hard and you're now successful, you don't immediately become an asshole. You remember the struggles. You're still that well, some people poor do. boy. No, you don't know that. I mean, some people do. I guess. But did anyone else back that up? Like, it just seems like it's just the family saying that. Yeah. I don't know. No. I think they're a little jealous. Oh, well, and it just that is a, that's very clear. clear. I know, but they're a little sensitive or something. Like maybe I don't want to go to that family dinner and they're like, oh, you're a rich asshole now. I yeah, don't know. Of but course. Like, you're... Of course. So we're going to kill your son. Get out of here. I know. It's disgusting. So mm -hmm. I don't know what year they did that. They exhumed them and cremated them. Because they were sick of the hoopla yeah. at his poor gravesite. Um, the article didn't say what year, but it's sad. Let him rest. Really sad. Jean-Marie and Christine had three more kids and moved to a town just south of Paris. 
In December 2020, the case was yet again reopened. (gasps) And as far as I know, it's still open. Here's what we do know about it. A Swiss company took over the handwriting analysis, but results are not public or they're still working on it. It didn't say. Police are also investigating a new theory that... (sighs) Bernard kidnapped Gregory, as Muriel said, and then when he got out of the car, he passed them off to Marcel and Jacqueline Jacobs to, uh. car- to carry out the murder. That's, that's an investigator's theory at the moment. I could see that. They're also investigating someone new who they obviously won't name, and they have new witnesses also who they will not name. Ooh, okay, so we're going to get some updates. So this was as of December 2020, so hopefully... It actually, and, and the investigator said he's confident they're going to be able to solve it. Hopefully, it will be solved in Jean Marie and Christine's lifetime for oh, sure. Yeah, they're probably getting real old. So, the Netflix documentary was called Who Killed Little Gregory that I said I wouldn't say at the beginning. I just didn't want y'all to know exactly. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Oh, I've heard of that. And that's the France's biggest unsolved mystery. Holy shit. Isn't that like. There's so many like twists, turns, people, relatives, cousins, aunts, right. uncles, great. Remind uncle. me what the evidence against Jacqueline and um Marcel's. I know they actually don't have alibis or their their alibis uh, were yeah. were unconfirmed. Um and then their statements that flag oh, anacrim yeah. flagged the most inconsistencies. <laughs> can't say that word today, can you? I can't say how it. does it track it? How does it track inconsistent like has the timeline and then it's like I guess. I don't know. Like, I want to know literally how they track it. It's like a monitor and they're like, that timeline. And they're like, well, we went from our house to the store. And they like, do a, yeah. Like, does this technology like do a little map on how long that would take? I want to see it. No, I think it's, yeah, stories changing. Like, they, yeah, I think the family, every family member was interviewed a million times, I'm sure. So they probably had to rehash where they were that day several times. I think it's mm-hmm. when those are different. And then, probably uh, there's probably some voice analysis like you got really high pitched during this sentence <laughs> oh yeah yeah what's that about type thing yeah which is so fascinating to me that type of technology it's like that story of the college girl i can't think of her name but she was killed in mississippi in her dorm room and they're like interviewing someone oh and she no and that's like, on my list. every time i already have notes on that i know but every time the suspect being questioned looks left. Like apparently as humans, we look left to when we're thinking creatively, i.e. lying or making something up and right if we're just recalling a memory. Like what time did you get home? 11. Like your eyes don't change, but what time did you get home? Well, I went and the person interviewing her is like, you keep looking left, but he's he's not saying that out loud. He's not, he's just like noticing it's like, that's a lie. And she's like, how do you know I'm lying? And and he <laughs> later tells that. You're what? stepping on the toes. I already have dibs on that story. I'm not going to tell you who it is so you don't look it up. But I know. it's not necessarily left or right. It's everyone has their yeah. own. Everyone has right. their own. If you're recalling something, you do one thing. If you're being creative and making something up, you're doing another. And it's it's insane. It is. It's insane. I was like, wait, this is so interesting. <laughs> And she like yeah. says during the interview, "Are you a mind reader?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So the person dumb. being he's questioned like, yep. was like, "You, you can read my mind, can't you?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, we could go with that." Yes, sure, sure. <sighs> that's cool. Well, that was yeah. That's a lot, Rach. That's a lot. 
That's what took me so long. So many people. I don't know. Oh, good one. Thanks. I hope it gets solved soon. I've been putting it off because of that December 2020 revelation because I'm like, surely there's about to be a break. And I'm like, it's 2023 and there still has not been. So I'm just going to do it. And France. I'm glad you did. France, if you're listening, I hope I did little Gregory justice. He is a cutie pie. I bet. It kind of reminds me of America's Lost Boy case. Okay. Well, good one. Thanks, everyone. Thank y'all. Hope you enjoyed. Oh, oh, wait, real quick. Right. Review, subscribe, write something Mm. in the comments, please. It really, really helps. Yeah, please. And hit that download button, not just play. That that also very much helps, please. Oh my gosh, y'all, we can like barely track actual listeners without y'all downloading, right? It's it's weird. Everything's weird, you know. I know. At Apple Charts, reviews, comments, and actual downloads. So just hitting play. Well, I mean, it's nice. It's helpful because it means you're listening. We would really appreciate if you actually hit download. Those three dots, download episode. Thanks. Thank y'all. And if you subscribe, it automatically downloads. So there's that. So just subscribe or follow. I think now it's called follow. Oh, follow. Okay. All right. There's our spiel. Thank Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.